Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome into another edition of Respect My Decision. I'm your host, Zach Barry. Day after early signing day 2020. And uh, had to get uh, somebody that uh, <laughs> covers a lot of ground to cover early signing day 2020, Adam Gorney, National Recruiting Analyst for Rivals and Yahoo Sports. Adam, welcome in. Thanks for joining. Yeah, definitely, Zach. No problem. So first off, I, I saw you You did a piece, uh, winners and losers of yesterday's festivities. Uh, so let's just jump right into it. Um, if you want to if you want to freelance a little bit, you don't have to go right off the copy from that. But just who were, who were the names? Uh, I know there's some 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 usual suspects in there but uh there were some other surprises who uh who stood out to you the most yeah i think definitely starting at the top um you know we have to focus on the sec schools alabama was definitely a winner um it was supposed to be kind of a quiet day for them they flipped keanu coat early on the big one though is flipping jojo earl that was really sort of unexpected and kind of unplanned there had been a lot of rumors that jojo was going to wait um until after uh, his playoff run with Alito, uh, maybe wait until February to sign. That's usually not a good sign for someone who's been committed so long. But a lot of the talk was around Texas or Texas A&M. Alabama just kind of flexed their muscle and said, you know, let's let's get this done. Let's sign here. And, and he did it, which was definitely a big win for them because he might not be um, as electric as Jalen Waddell. I don't know if anybody is, um, but he is pretty close. He is definitely going to be someone that has um, a lot of fun with the ball in his hands there. You know, LSU was kind of up and down, but I, I, I kind of called them a winner. Losing Earl Hurts, losing Coat Hurts, but getting Mason Smith locked up was big because there was some legitimate Georgia talk there. Um, there's some concern about what the off-the-field situation is going to look like there, what sanctions um, will be an issue. So he was very serious about Georgia for a while, but every number one kid in Louisiana back to 2012, Landon Collins, has been gone to LSU. So we're talking about a, at least a decade of history. So I think they were definitely a winner getting Demarius McGee as well, flipping Malik Neighbors, um, essentially flipping Armani Goodwin from Auburn. Um, then another big winner, I think, was Ole Miss. Uh, Lane did a, a fantastic job um, all month, really. He you know flipped Luke Altmaier from Florida State. He flipped Hudson Wolf from Tennessee. Um, flipped Brandon Buckhalter from Mississippi State. Those are three big ones. And then gets MJ Daniels, um, another flip from Mississippi State. Uh, Markevious Brown is a kid who feels he's very underrated and 
you know, maybe you can prove it at, at, at Ole Miss and uh, Malik McLean is coming up, which is another option. So, you know, he wore the Mary Flip Miss shirt. Everybody made a big deal about it. That was something to, to be said, but he definitely had a lot of success doing it. And I think that's what like a school like Ole Miss needs to do on signing day um, is, is flip those kids, get a kid like Hudson Wolf in the class. Luke Altmyer is a big one. So I think those are probably the three big winners. And then how Michigan recruited on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously a lot of questions about Jim Harbaugh, his future. He said he's staying there. Keeping Xavier Worthy there is huge because he's so dynamic and it can help that offense. Keeping Donovan Edwards away from Georgia is a must have um, to keep a local kid home and someone who could be so dynamic coming out of the backfield. Yeah, and you mentioned Ole Miss. We talked about it earlier in the week about Junior Colson. You mentioned Michigan there. Uh, Ole Miss was coming after him incredibly hard and uh, Harbaugh was able to keep him uh, committed and signed. So that was big for them as well. You mentioned Mason Smith. Uh, it, it feels like if we talk Mason Smith, we got to talk Corey Foreman, right? Um, he is waiting until February. Is that correct? Uh, January, January 2nd at that All-American Bowl ceremony. Okay. So you're close over there. Uh, I thought Southern Cal had a, had a nice day. Uh, Clay Helton and company were able to uh, add Jackson Dart, which is just a, I mean, just a phenomenal name. Um, I think it was all signs kind of pointed there once Jake Garcia decommitted and ended up at Miami. Um, what did you think of what, what Clay Helton did yesterday? And, and do you think it's kind of going to catapult them into kind of returning to form? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, recruiting other than 2020 really has not been a problem there. It's been player development. There's no, no doubt yeah. about it. So, I mean, they get the players and that's what's so frustrating about it, especially from my point of view is that I'm ranking these guys high four stars and five stars before they commit to USC, not because they're committing to USC. And then they go there and they're, you know, third round draft picks, fifth round. So that's a little bit frustrating, but in terms of yesterday, I think Joseph Manjack is kind of an under the radar, big get for them. He's going to be a guy who catches a lot of passes, does a whole lot of things for them in that offense. He's perfect in Graham Harrell's offense. And Jackson Dart told me even when Garcia and Miller Moss were committed, he didn't care. He, he wanted to, uh, that wouldn't stop him from going to USC. I love that attitude. I love that confidence. Um, he was He was willing to go into a situation where three quarterbacks essentially were going to come into the class. Jake Garcia was not willing to do that. He, he said that he was fine with two, but three was, was too much. So he goes to Miami. Um, and then the, and then the Corey Foreman situation it's interesting. I talked to Corey last week before signing day, and he said that he was considering a late visit to Georgia and that so was Mason Smith. And, and he kind of said that that would be our last visit together. That would be our last time together. So I almost got the sense just by him just talking about the Georgia visit that he and Mason had kind of decided not to go to the same school. I would be very surprised if Corey ends up at LSU now, although if he goes to LSU on a visit between now and January 2nd, we might have an, a situation where a paper was signed to one school and he wants to get out of it to go to another school because wherever Corey visits, he loves and he wants to go there. So I think Corey is down to USC and Clemson. I would, I would be surprised if he doesn't end up at USC. I know Rajon Davis is the LSU commit is looking to flip there at some point. I think that is going to happen Kyron Ware Hudson flipped from Oregon there. So I think USC could be the school that does pretty well down the stretch here, even into January or February. 
Another school I'm interested in in your thoughts on um, big get yesterday, Sabian bird, um, which was, which was kind of uh, an interesting recruitment to follow. Uh, SMU was surging early on and looked like they were going to be able to hold on. Oklahoma ended up having a, a, a different thought there. Uh, Oklahoma though, sitting at 13 in the team rankings right now. Um, But it looks like they've got quite the battle on their hands. Uh, Tristan Lee and uh, Bryce Foster, two humongous pieces that anyone would love to add to their offensive line class. How do you see Lincoln Riley and the Sooners finishing up here? Yeah, I, I don't buy the Florida talk for Tristan Lee. I think Oklahoma is still the school to beat for him. Um, I think probably LSU is a, a, a distant third. Um, Ohio State is still poking around, and it's hard to say no to them. But I think when he took that visit for the Sooner Summit, I think that was a big selling point. Caleb Williams continues to work on Tristan Lee. I think that's going to be a big selling point. And when you talk about offensive linemen that get drafted, you don't necessarily think of Oklahoma right off the top, but they've had a nice run of guys over the last few years that have done really well there. So um, I think Bill Bedenbaugh, the offensive line coach, uh, will do a fantastic job closing on Tristan Lee. I think he goes to Oklahoma. Bryce Foster's a little more tricky. Um, I thought Oklahoma for a long time. I think everybody did, but as this has gotten closer, A&M has definitely surged. I think they are probably the team to beat heading into his decision. He gets to stay close to home. He gets to play in the SEC, and he definitely gets to play for a program that has, you know, playoff implications and is surging as one of sort of the the up-and-coming teams nationally. Um, You know, I think they did well and will close well um, in this class. If I had to guess right now, Foster goes to A&M. Another team that I was watching closely yesterday, um, unfortunately, uh, Clark Lee, the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame, is going to be the head coach at Vanderbilt, which, man, God bless him. That's, uh, in my opinion, the toughest job in the country. But uh, yeah. he is going to to take that on. Uh, but Notre Dame still able to uh, to close pretty well yesterday, 11th in the, in the team rankings right now. Got a nice balance. You've got the five-star Blake Fisher leading the way. And then you've got a nice uh, trio of receivers with Lorenzo Styles Jr., Deion Colsey, and Jaden Thomas, but uh, Prince Colley, the linebacker out of Tennessee, and then uh, Gabriel Rubio and um, Justin Walters, uh, a 5.73 star. I don't know about you. The, the game this weekend is obviously the game, the, the game of all games on Saturday. If I'm picking, I'm picking Notre Dame. Uh, I know that there was no Trevor Lawrence last time. I don't think that really matters. I think this Irish team is legit. And uh, this this defense they have is, is pretty salty. And then adding these offensive pieces, I think, is uh, going to be instrumental for getting them, uh, you know, catapulting them into continuing to be a college football playoff team. Do you see that in this class? Do you see that as, as just another building block to uh, stay consistently in the top four? I do. And, and that first meeting in South Bend, I don't think it was uh... – Clemson's offense that really struggled in that game and why, why they no. lost. It wasn't like DJ struggled and they, you know, they couldn't do it. <laughs> he played okay. Yeah. He, he was pretty <laughs> good. Um, but, but yeah, losing Clark is a, is seemed to be big, but didn't really hurt. I thought Collie was going to be a guy that would either follow him or go to Louisville because of more stability and not knowing what the future holds. But 
you know, Notre Dame offers a whole lot more than just a defensive coordinator. And I think that's what Brian Kelly had told him early in the week and why he stuck. Um, uh, yeah, I like this class a lot. I think Tyler Buckner is going to be a very interesting sort of study. Um, Ian Book in high school was a talented kid, but was not really all that incredibly impressive whenever you saw him. And he's become fantastic there, a perfect fit for what Brian Kelly wants to do on offense. And he has that mentality where he's going to be a winner. And I think Buckner is very similar. So a kid who had kind of struggled at the Elite 11 or struggled at a camp, you know, whatever. I don't care about that. Bryce Young, we had dropped for a little bit because he had struggled at one camp. And the overreaction to that was just ridiculous, I think. And I think we're going to see that over the next couple of years as he takes over Alabama. So I like this class a lot because what they're adding, the question for Notre Dame this year was, did they have any playmakers on offense at all? And Javon McKinley has stepped up and obviously the running game has been fantastic. The offensive line will continue to be very, very good there. And now there's, they're getting some real playmakers in this class. Lorenzo styles is definitely one of them. Colsey's a kid that I think Georgia might regret not going on at some point they're loading back up at tight end. So definitely Notre Dame is doing what Notre Dame does, you know, um, beating Clemson twice is going to be very difficult. Um, but, uh, not losing by 10 and a half points might be the play there. Yeah. Um, so we, we brought up the coaching search season. So uh, let's go ahead and jump right into uh, the Pacific Northwest. We, we were talking before we started Mario Cristobal signed an extension. Uh, Oregon uh, was clearly not affected by uh, his name being in the running at Auburn. They're top five right now. Ty Thompson um, you might have to help me out on this one. Kingsley Suamatea. So yeah, very good. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Um, <laughs> the two five stars there leading the way, and then loading up. It looks like on offense. Um, I really like Seven McGee out of Rochester, New York. Uh, he's a hell of a player, five nine, one eighty. Just uh, Oregon yeah. seems to just get that that same size guy year in year out. Um, so, where do you see this class uh, finishing up in February? I know Oregon hasn't had the results on the field this year that they probably wanted. Um, yeah, a couple early losses, but uh, it seems like Cristobal's loading up once again. Yeah, he is. He definitely is. And I think search and, you know, people in the Southeast might not want to hear this, but Oregon is a better job than Auburn. Uh, there's just no doubt about it. Um, and, 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 and especially in this sense, uh, if you beat USC every year <clears throat> in the PAC 12 championship, if you beat up, if you have to beat Washington, and Stanford, which has been down, um, you're going to play for the Pac-12 championship. And if you have one loss and win the Pac-12 championship, there's a very good chance that you're going to get in the college football playoff. So Auburn is, is in a situation where Alabama is in the same division. Texas A&M is getting much better. LSU is just coming off of a national championship. You know, you're third or fourth. You're battling maybe second uh in your own division. And then you have to beat Georgia or Florida in the SEC championship. It's just so hard to be very successful there over a long stretch of time. Um, and in-state recruiting is a challenge as well because kids like Jaquincy McKinstry, who had kind of been leaning toward Auburn for a long time, just go to Alabama. So in terms of this class, so I'm not surprised Cristobal stayed. Um, I think he's has aims at a bigger job. I think Alabama would not be a ridiculous 
jump for him when Nick Saban leaves, if, if he ever does. And uh, I also think he really wants Miami at some point, if that, if that job ever opens, which I don't think it will soon because Miami's doing well, but in terms of this class, uh, uh, Suamate is great. I think he, I, I don't want to compare to Panay Sewell because they're different players. Sewell was just massive, um, but Suamate is super physical and super athletic. And I love that in offensive tackles, especially in the PAC 12. Ty Thompson is a phenomenal quarterback who could do it all and runs will run that offense really, really well. Terrence Ferguson is an athletic tight end. Who's a playmaker. Troy Franklin, I think if played in Southern California, we would be talking more about as a five-star candidate. He's just so long and wiry and such a playmaker. Um, kind of reminds me of a little bit of Demond Demas from last recruiting cycle. Keith Brown is a thumper. And then seven McGee is a guy who, Hasn't played high school football in two years because he kept bouncing from Southern California to Rochester, New York, but has a, has the Anthony Thomas in him. I mean, he is a playmaker and is bouncy. And we just saw him at a workout this past weekend. And the guy who ran the workout said that guy could eat Arby's every day and still have a six pack. He just has that, <laughs> that, that look to him. And that's how he plays. So it's a phenomenal class. I think Oregon will continue to recruit well as Cristobal is there because he's so aggressive USC is going to get their guys, but Oregon is, is too. And, and it's going to, it's kind of shaping up as a two team race in the PAC 12 right now. So if we're talking team rankings and uh, as we start to close up shop here, we got to talk about the Buckeyes um, leading the way in average star rating, just absolutely on a tear. Uh, Jack Sawyer, Donovan Jackson, and Emeka Egbuka, uh, the three, five stars there. But I mean, just, uh, the hits keep on coming. Kyle McCord, you mentioned Ty Thompson. I saw him and McCord at Elite 11. Both were phenomenal in everything that they did there. That was a lot of fun to watch. Um, I mean, there's a lot to like in this class, too. I mean, hell, I mean, you got to like everything if you're number two in the country. So um, a good bit of balance, but Ryan Day and, and the Buckeyes, a lot of people are probably maybe a little unhappy they're playing in this in this title game on Saturday, but I mean they're one of the best teams. They're one of the best four teams in the country, so I I, I see the reason why. But is Ryan Day ever going to slow down? That's the thing, and I had said this to Mike Farrell on on another podcast that you know it's crazy to say that the the recruiting and the team could be better with by losing Urban Meyer, but there was like a refresh, you know, like he. Ryan Day really put the pedal to the metal recruiting wise. Um, <clears throat> he backed it up on the field. I'm not going to say he was running up scores, but he certainly wasn't pulling back his offense w- with big leads. Um, you know, he continues to destroy everybody that he faces. And the big 10 is clearly almost just a one team league right now. And then everyone else sort of fighting it out for second place. Penn state beats Ohio state here and there, but not regularly enough. And, and when you see them play, it looks just like a different team. So I think Ryan day has been phenomenal for Ohio state. He's kind of given them a fresh, a, you know, a new lease on life here a little bit and recruiting has not stopped going to Ohio state or going to Washington state for a Mecca book is huge. He's kind of like a cross between Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, but better than both probably. So um, he's going to catch a lot of passes there. He's going to go deep and he's going to catch a lot of balls. He's going to be fantastic. He fits the, the system. Well, Donovan Jackson, they've gone into Texas for guys, you know, Kyle McCord, you know, 15, 20 years ago, Penn state was in that, but 
now, you know, he's just going to Ohio state and hit, and he's a different, he's a little bit of a different quarterback because he's not going to run as much, but he could just sit back there and, and pick people apart. Marvin Harrison jr. Obviously uh, is, is phenomenal. Jacqueline Johnson could be the next big time defensive back there. I mean, up and down the list, you just go up and down the list and just elite players. And I don't think that's going to stop. Uh, should they be playing on Saturday? I think that's up for debate. I mean, if you have rules that say six games and then when they can't get six games, you change the rules. I mean, okay. <laughs> but but uh, yeah. I'm not going to argue with it because I think they're, um, I think other than Alabama, which I think is the best team in the country, I think they're just as good as anybody else. So last team I want to ask you about, uh, we, we've already discussed a couple coaching search season candidates. Uh, South Carolina um, really struggled. Uh, they're in a they're in a transition. Um, they were able to hold on to to Colton Gauthier, which is big. Um, and then we we already talked about Jackson Dart and that phenomenal name. Omega Blake is another great name. Shane Beamer, I think, was 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 hired there because of his his ties to that area. And then he's known as a tenacious recruiter. Um, he did did well with Lincoln Riley and at Oklahoma and he's now in Columbia, you know, kind of making his return there. How do you see him and, and, and being able to put together a staff? How do you see him recruiting at South Carolina with that machine? That's just right up the road. Yeah. I, it's definitely a challenging situation. There's just no doubt about it. Um, you know, the recruiting class now after Muschamp left, a lot of guys kind of fall, fell off the class. They've, they've gone elsewhere. I think that's going to be the first challenge. I think Shane Beamer, <clears throat> you know, is going to be a tenacious recruiter. Um, but, you know, I mean, on, on the defensive side of the ball, they've recruited elite guys well. Jordan Birch, Zach Pickens, they've done a nice job. It's just that there is, and I hate this word identity, but there is no identity on offense. What are they? Um, are they really a good, are they a great running team? Not really. I mean, Harris has been very good this year. Who is their quarterback? I mean, if you have three quarter, if you play three quarterbacks, you probably have no quarterbacks. Do they have any playmakers at receiver? I think those are the things that really need to be addressed um, immediately. Uh, we're not going to hold Shane Beamer to this recruiting class because he just came in and usually it's the next one. Um, but it's kind of done in the state. I mean, can't, you know, all, all the top guys in South Carolina are committed or signed. Um, that's going to be a challenge. So where do you go to fill out this class? Do you go JUCO? Do you really work the transfer market? All of those kinds of things. Um, it's not just guys going to Clemson. I mean, Georgia gets in there, Florida gets in there. Now North Carolina is having some success in there because, you know, they do throw the ball around and, and get guys going and, I think that's going to be the challenge. Um, the other challenge is where, where do you fit in the SEC East? Georgia and Florida are clearly the best two teams. But after that, Tennessee is terrible. Kentucky can't score, can't move the ball. Um, you know, and, and you have Vanderbilt restarting there. So you can be sort of that eight and four team, nine and three on a very good year. It's just challenging because this recruiting class isn't going to get you anywhere right now. And then you have to go into next year. So the defense should be fine, but I don't know how much better the offense could possibly be because you're not adding a whole lot of new pieces. Yeah. I said this on another podcast, you mentioned uh, Birch and Pickens. I mean, you've got some booking guys there up front. 
and you know, I'm Marshawn Lloyd suffered the, the knee injury yep. before the season started, which was devastating because he's a, just a remarkable talent. But you've got some pieces there. I mean, I thought Luke Doty as a true freshman was okay. I mean, he wasn't great, but he looks the part. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about a guy that could eat Arby's every day and still look <laughs> like that. I, he's probably in that category. Um, you know, Rico Powers signed last year. That's a, that's a guy that they could, could lean on um, as a playmaker. And then I, I mentioned Omega Blake. So I said that I said, you know, the cupboard's not bare right. for Shane Beamer. There's, there's something to work with, but it's just so hard to, you mentioned Auburn and Alabama being in the same state and the same division. When you're recruiting against Clemson day in and day out, I mean, it's just gotta be just a, just a tiring thing to do. Um, all right, Adam. So last thing here, uh, as we turn the calendar to 2021, get into January and February, uh, I guess who are the big names? We, we already talked about a couple, but what are the storylines? Who are the guys that you're looking to um, as we get to, to the February signing period? Yeah, the, you know, even right before that, Kamar Wheaton is going to get off the board, I believe, the day before Christmas Eve. And I think he goes to Oklahoma. That's big. Um, if Alabama could swing him, uh, th- that's just amazing. But there are still guys left on the board. Corey Foreman will announce in January. JT Twimelau will announce in February. Um, Tristan Lee is a January guy. There are still guys kind of kind of on the board. Terrence Lewis is, you know, pretty much a dark horse. I don't think anyone really knows what the situation is there. I would imagine he ends up at Tennessee. I've heard he's only talked to Mike Loxley once or twice. So I think that's really starting. Quay Davis is still on the board. You know, I think LJ Johnson is waiting to see what Kamar Wheaton does to see if he should go to AM or, or elsewhere. Um, you know, there are still definitely guys, you know, some years with the early signing period, I always thought the early signing period wasn't going to be much. I thought it was just going to be guys that had been committed for a year or a year and a half and knew that they were going to go to Iowa. They're father and grandfather played at Iowa. They were going there. That, that was it. But it's really just kind of taken over the entire thing. And, but this year in February, there should, or at least in January and February, there should be uh, some significant storylines that, that are of interest. Um, we'll see if people can get back in on the road in January. I think that might be a little bit of an, of an interesting storyline to, to change some people's minds. Um, but there are still some five stars on the board, at least, right before Christmas, which I guess is, you know, next week already. And then into <laughs> January and February that, yeah. that are still going to be on top of people's minds. All right. So before we let you go, Adam, I do want to remind our listeners that uh, if you haven't done so already, uh, this podcast is sponsored by American betting experts. It's one of the largest licensed sports and casino vendors in the country. Uh, we here at LandryFootball.com have teamed up with them to provide you with special gaming offers. So here's what you do. Uh, we, we, we talked about the ACC title game. We talked about the Big Ten title game. If you want to bet on those games and you want a special gaming offer before you do so, go to LandryFootball.com. You can click on the ad located in the upper right side of the page. Uh, you can choose among the sites that are listed there, BetMGM, DraftKings, FanDuel, whatever uh, tickles your fancy there. Sign up and you'll instantly receive an account deposit match or a risk-free bet from $100 up to $1,000. It's that easy. So LandryFootball.com. Click on the ad, pick your gaming site, and uh, receive your special offer. So, Adam, uh, can't thank you enough. This was fun. Uh, before I let you go, tell the folks at home where they can find you and your work on Twitter and uh, elsewhere. Yeah, Rivals.com is where I work and pays the bills. At Twitter is uh, at Adam Gorney, A-D-A-M-G-O-R-N-E-Y. 
And that's all I do. I'm not on Instagram. I can't do TikTok and I just on Twitter. <laughs> I only have so much time in the day. <laughs> well, uh, for Adam Gorney, I'm Zach Berry. This has been Respect My Decision. Thanks again, y'all. Happy holidays. We'll take a brief break to, uh, to celebrate that. And then we'll come back and uh, hit the ground running for the February signing period. So for Adam, I'm Zach. Thanks for listening. We out. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.